Logan Devils fans, Matt Lachlan along with Amanda Seastein. Welcome to the official Devils podcast. Uh, in a difficult time for the New Jersey Devils, it's part of sports. Yep. It's not the first time it's happened, but it's never easy when an organization changes its coach, particularly one as well-respected and as thoughtful as John Hines, who was always generous and gracious with his time. Yeah, he really was. Um, for me, joining this team, he's the only head coach that I've ever known. Um, so, And he was so um, welcoming, patient, and just really kind with me and I really like extend my thanks to him for always making me feel a part of this group of like 25 guys knowing that you know I I was on the road or I am on the road with with them all the time so but you know something had to give and unfortunately this is the part of the business that tends to happen first before other changes are made. And of all the players on any team that feels it the most it is the captain he is Mm -hmm. the one that acts as the liaison between the team And the coaching staff, he's the one that has to speak with the media Mm -hmm. after each and every game. Other guys, although this is a pretty good team about it, but other guys can say not tonight. They don't want to deal with it. But the captain has to, and the captain feels a lot of the responsibility. Andy Green is the devil's captain. And, you know, I was talking to him just before Mm -hmm. uh, the news came down that that John had been let go on the trip to Buffalo. And, yeah, he was feeling it. It was not – it's not an easy time. No, and you could – start to see you could see it weighing on the team right just the same thing over and over again and I, I I almost felt guilty having to go in the locker room and ask the similar question but also a different question because it was a different problem every night but the same result so it, it, it was wearing on everybody um, because expectations were set at a certain place and they just haven't been met across the board so far this season um, but, you know, Andy's the ultimate pro. He And like you said, he's always there after a loss. He'll sit in his stall. He, 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 he puts that forward. You know, he doesn't disappear anywhere. And he answers the questions and you say thanks and, you know, everything's good. Our podcast has always been focused on what the players are like away from the game and how they got involved in hockey and what interests them away from the rink. But as the captain joins us, we do have to ask about what the big questions are surrounding this team. And so we'll kick it off with uh, number six of the New Jersey Devils. So the captain does join us in a very difficult period of time. When a coaching change is made, there's never anyone who's too excited about that. And Andy, we're going to talk as we do on these podcasts more about life away from the rink and things like that, as we've done that with your uh, teammates. But we do have to address what is the obvious issue. So the fans look at it. What went wrong? Ray Shiro said guys can't make passes five feet. That's not the only issue. But from your standpoint, when did things start to go wrong? And how far off what you thought are the Devils right now? Yeah, it was, uh, like you said, it was a difficult uh, few hours there. Obviously, we we, didn't, we learned of the news right, right before uh, the game. Uh, and it's tough to let it really sink in at that point because, you know, at the same time, we do have to be ready and get, and get ready and focused for the game against Vegas there. And, um, you know, whenever uh, a coaching change happens, um, usually, obviously, it's not a good situation. Usually, you're not in, a, in the spot where you need to be or, or where you were aspiring to be. Um, but at the same time, it was, uh, um, you know, it wasn't Heinze's fault. Uh, it's, it's on us in the locker room. Like we've, we've said many times before, and it, it's tough. Uh, you, you know, you 
you never want to see, um, you know, because of because of yourself or your, you know your actions as a as a team that someone else gets fired. There have been issues. Every team, every player makes a mistake. We understand that, but there seems to have been a continuation of some of the same old stuff. Um, second goal against Buffalo, PK came off early. There was a little juggling. P- puck was rolling on you, unfortunately. Uh, Larson tips it away to Skinner, and he's in all alone as Damon's coming off the bench trying to uh, hustle into position. But a, lot, uh, a change shouldn't be made there. Um, certainly coaches don't say, hey, when the puck's at our blue line, anybody can change. So what's the process? And I'm not picking on PK per se. That's just an example. Everyone's made plays like that. But why, like, how does that happen as often as it seems to have happened for the devil? I, I don't know. You, you know, like, we, we've had meetings on it. It's, uh, you know, when stuff like that happens, it's, uh, it's a mental mistake. You know, that's not a mistake where, um, you know, you know not, not necessarily a physical mistake, but a mistake where you, uh, you know, you say you get beat or something. That's a easy, easily controllable uh, aspect of the game. And, um you know, like you said, I got to do a better job there of, uh, you know, getting that puck out and making sure that that turnover doesn't happen. But at the same time, we have layers of defense and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, unfortunately, the, the line changes have been a, been an issue. And that's that's uh, but that's also, like I said, what comes back to me earlier. It's not a, that's not a coaching, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's that's on us players there knowing the situation, um, you know, being there for each other and, and wanting to you know, put your partner in a good spot on the ice for, for a good line change. When uh, Ray came in and addressed the team, what I could really think about was you've got so many players under you where John was their first ever NHL coach. It's There's a lot of young guys in the locker room. Did you see it affect them? Like, did you, I mean, obviously it affects everybody, but I remember talking to Nico right after the game and he, he was pretty torn up about it. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, like you said, that's first. Unfortunately, been through it a few times and um, uh, know what to expect after it happens. Yeah. You know, you never you know know what to do. You know, as it happens or before it happens. But um, yeah, you know, it's 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 a good learning experience for him. Unfortunately, you know, yeah. in, in business wise, yeah, business wise, yeah. obviously not as a something that you want to continue to go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's you know that that's when you always talk about the business side of things and. Unfortunately, that that's what happens when uh, you know we we don't meet expectations. Expectations are awfully high for this team uh, off the off season and continued development of players, perhaps too high. And, and in retrospect, that's that's maybe obvious. But I think one of the problems here is we all thought I was guilty of it. You know, I'm kind of pointing to a wall as if the devil's people were thinking up here. The reality is maybe a little lower than that. So if where you are now, it's a shorter drop from the reality than the perception of how, how good this team could be. Am I off on that, or did you come into the season saying, no, we're, we're really going to be good, or did you see that there were some issues that had not been fully addressed or needed to be shored up a little bit? Um, I, I, I think somewhere in between there, mm-hmm. uh, in, in all reality. Obviously, um, you know, we, we, had, we always talk about you, can, you, know, you, you have a good offseason, but it doesn't mean anything until – uh, you know, it gets put on the ice and we see how it, everything's going to, um, kind of gel and, and react in certain situations. And, um, uh, but like I said, I, I think you have to high, have high expectations going into the year. You, you set the bar high and, 
um, you always expect more out of yourself and then out of the team. And um, I, I think, like I said, I think the best way to put it is somewhere in between there, <laughs> realistically. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, but we're not uh, anywhere near near where we even realistically should be. The changes made when we're on the second half of a back-to-back, no one's in in the morning, and then you guys come to the rink, and then Naz is now put in that position where he's assuming an interim head coach role for the first time. You're a defenseman, so you've worked a lot with Naz over the years, who was in charge of the defenseman. Um, what is Naz like as a coach from your one-on-one experience with him? Yeah, he's very straightforward. Uh, I mean, there there are some similarities. Obviously, he's been with he was yeah. you know, was, was with Heinze for uh, whatever ten years. ten years. Yeah. Um. So so obviously you you see some similarities, but he is his own man, and uh, he's very prepared, very easy to talk to, um, very detailed, and uh, all the things that and very honest. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, all the things you want in a coach, and um, you know, like I said, it was a very quick turnaround. So. It was tough to really get a read on the whole situation, but obviously going forward here now that, uh, you know, having our first practice here today and, um, you know, him getting to put his uh, his touch on it, his stamp on it here and uh, moving forward. Was was it weird not having him, like, behind you guys on the bench? That, yeah, like, I think I said something. It was just, uh, you know, looking back. And further down. Yeah, Peter, you know, Peter back there. And um, I've met him a few times throughout the years here when he was in town for – uh, for whatever scouting or meetings or whatever stopping by. So I've got, had, I've had a chance to meet him a mm-hmm. few times, but obviously never work, uh, you know, work with him, uh, you know, on the bench. So, but he was a, he was a great, uh, he was great back there. Obviously he knows the game really well and, uh, he's been through a lot, a lot of experiences too. So is that where he's going to go working with the defenseman? Is that, uh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, obviously with, um, you know, killer up there yeah. in Jersey and, um, I'm sure, yeah, Peter's going to be working with us mostly and, um, like I said, we had a meeting today with him and uh, very straightforward. And, uh, you know, like I said, looking forward to getting to know him a little bit better, too. Peter, of course, is Peter Horachuk, uh was scouting uh, for the Devils and has been brought in to be behind the bench, uh, aiding as an assistant to Elaine Nazardine. One of the things that Chico Rush and I have talked about on the air frequently is that if there were areas coming into this season of some concern, or let's see what happens. In other words, uh, we wanted to see what happened in the goaltending position, could Corey maintain what we saw in camp and at the end of last season? Would Jack Hughes make a big impact right out of the gate, or would there be growth? What would P.K. Subban's impact be? Would Taylor Hall bounce back from the injury, and would he be the impactful player that we saw two years ago? We won the MVP, and there are several others. Everything seemed to have failed to meet expectations in that area. So... If Taylor scored more goals, then maybe we're not in this situation, right? A few more wins and things are far different. If Jack had more of an impact, and that's not fair maybe because he's an 18-year-old, but if that happened, if if Corey didn't suffer cramps in that first game and the team wins, maybe it's an entirely different circumstance. So, so many things that we thought were going to go one way, like everything, it seemed, just went against the Devils. Did you ever, like... Have you ever had a moment as you're driving home from a game going like, I've never seen this before? Like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's tough. You, you know, you you know there's going to be uh, ebbs and flows the, to a game, to a season, you know, in, even in week-to-week type stuff. And um, you you always think that, uh, you, you know, that, that it's going to come, you're going to come out of it and you'll be fine. And it just seems kind of that uh, one way or another um, – you know, one area of the game was always struggling, not necessarily even player-wise, but 
you know, one night we would be great uh, on the PK and our power play would be suffering or vice versa or, uh, you know, where we had no five-on-five -five game, but our special teams were good. Uh, it just seemed like there was just a little, little bit of uh, something off there in, in, in one aspect of our game. And, and that's what we've been trying to talk about with consistency and getting traction and, and, and all that stuff. It's just kind of how do we – how do we build off it and, and continue to grow as a team and as, you know, as players? Is it hard not to let, um, maybe negative energy is the wrong word, but like that creep into the locker room because, you know, the fans are out there saying things, You things are being said in the media. Is it hard not to let that into the room? Uh, I, th I think a little, I mean, we are human. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, are, we are not robots as, as sometimes we like to think we are, but, uh, um, you know, you, you, you do try to block all that out as much as you can and, and focus on us in that locker room, you know, whatever, whatever goes on in those doors or behind those doors in mm -hmm. the locker room. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it is, uh, it's always us, you, you know, it's, yeah. it's our locker room. It's how, how do we control it? How do we respond and how do we react? And, um, you know, some situations we we've done well and some we haven't reacted as well to. You know, you can tell, I've been around this game a long time, you can tell when a coach has lost a team, you can tell when a team is not united, you can tell all those things, and that none of those were the case with this club. You guys played hard for John till the very end. There doesn't seem to be any split in the room, so that's made a lot of what we've seen all the more perplexing. We did promise we would move away from <laughs> the big story, and we will. It's but like I want, finally. But, but, yes, but I'm sure the fans who are listening yeah, would like absolutely. to ask this question. So here's one that's puzzled me. What's your perspective on what the third period has or hasn't been about for the New Jersey Devils? Because the numbers, goals for, goals against, are so stark. I don't know. It's I think it's a little bit of a mental issue. Uh, I think instead of just going out there and um, trying to get that next one or, or you know put the other team on their heels, I think we kind of are unfortunately standing around waiting for something to happen, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's good or bad. Um, and, and even a lot of those, you know, we've had, uh, you know, multiple goal leads where it's fine. Even if they do score one, it's fine. You know, we're still up, we're still leading and there's still whatever, seven, eight, nine, ten minutes left in the game. And I think that's what we need to do is, uh, really focus on, um, you know, not, I don't want to say pushing for that next one, but trying to do the right things and, and play the right way. And, when you do that, obviously in the third period, teams start to take some chances, and you're, you, if you're patient, you're going to get a, you know, they're going, you're going to get two on one, you're going to get an odd man rush, or they're going to get break breakdown. Uh, instead, I think we've just been on our heels too much, and and then when you start doing that, it's hard to constantly defend this league, and, and then you, when you start doing that, all of a sudden you take a penalty, they give a power play, and, and then uh, you know how how that plays out. All right, I'm going to switch it up now. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Th I think I it's mean, time. Yeah. Andy, thanks very much. <laughs> Think, no problem. Things have been difficult, obviously, but you've got two little boys at home. I imagine that makes it easier to sort of break away from what's happening on the ice. But is there anything else that you would do to sort of get your mind off of things? I know you have your little boys, but uh, – And your wife. I should mention yeah. Rachel as well. Uh, no, mostly, you know, it's it, – you always sit there and try to not take it home with you. Uh, but unfortunately you've been guilty of, uh, being a little short, uh, okay. you know, short temper and, and that, and that, you know, that's not good, right? Like you can't, uh, not that I do anything or, you know, I take it out of them, but sometimes it's just, uh, you know, you're frustrated and, 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 uh, obviously, f you know, four year old and a two year old can, <laughs> uh, can push buttons pretty well. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, but you know, but no, you know, I try to be, be there with them at home. I'm dad and, 
uh, and husband, obviously to Rachel, like you, like we mentioned. <laughs> um, and, and it, but it does help, you know, you're sitting there, you're playing with them, you're playing mini sticks or puzzles or, uh, you know, construction vehicles, whatever it is. It's, it's always fun. It's when you see their, uh, you, you know, their innocent little minds and the way that how much they just love playing and, uh, and having, having me home when I'm home, it's just, uh, it's awesome. Are they into hockey? They are. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, would get cold and skating, uh, quite a bit here at the rink on off days and whatnot, bring them in here. And, uh, like I said, we play, uh, play a little mini sticks and whatnot and at home and, um, we don't really watch too much hockey together. We, yeah. uh, usually, obviously usually by the time hockey's on it, they're usually in bed kind of too though. So that's another reason why, but, uh, I like, like usually if there's golf tournament, I'd like them to get to play, <laughs> watch them, uh, like it. Here we go watch again. them get golf, you know, Every it, time. like I said, so if I can get them into golf, that means I can play golf more and then that, that's the way it goes. See, so. you've already got a threesome formed, right? Yeah, I have exactly. three boys. Once the third was born, I said, yeah, got the foursome. So <laughs> yep. we're, we're ready to go. Um, Maddie will be your fourth. Oh, no I promise question. you. Anybody who mentions golf on this podcast, I say, if you ever need an extra. Yeah, I'm for sure. So Absolutely. That, uh, that, that goes now, uh, for you as well. Anyway, uh, what about fatherhood that has surprised you or has made you different? Ooh, uh, getting deep here now. The hard, uh, the hard hitting yeah, question. Yeah, Do you yeah. want to go back to the team? No, nah, yeah. it was good. <laughs> no, I, I, it's one thing you you realize that it's a it's a twenty four hour job. Uh, you know, not job, uh, but uh, responsibility, and um, you know, it's it's tough because Rachel does such a great job of uh, you know letting me get my, my rest when we need to, but some nights it's. <laughs> when both kids are uh, having issues, you know, it's and then all of a sudden, you know, you're uh, you're called up and you're thrown in there, and and you know, you gotta make sure your, the kids are all right, they're not uh, sick or you know, bad dreams or whatever it may be, and um, but uh, you know, that, that that's the stuff that you sign up to to do when uh, obviously you just if you decide to have kids, and um, all of a sudden you realize it's just not. Uh, you know, Rachel and myself anymore that, uh, we gotta, we gotta fend for those two little monsters too now. So. <laughs> Are you different? Has fatherhood changed you? Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I mean, if it did, hopefully for the better. Um, <laughs> I, no, you know, I, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, as you know, it's, uh, it's a fun, fun experience to go through and you just, you never know what's, uh, what's going to come out of their mouths or what they're going to do next. Or, you know, the, yes, you know, they sometimes max carries around a puck and all of a sudden you're just, you know, it's going to happen, but when, when's he going to throw it at Colton? And, uh, you know, how do you deal with those situations? It's just, uh, you know, you know, something's always going to happen with those two. And where does that blonde hair come from? Because they are yeah. so blonde. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> growing up, I had blonde as a young okay. kid, but obviously Rachel, uh, the the blonde curly hair like, is obviously holy, uh, they're so blonde yeah Maddox is uh <laughs> it is there is something different it's uh <laughs> it got it was getting so long a couple a couple of weeks ago and it was he wouldn't let us comb it at all because obviously it would it felt yeah. like he was ripping his you know scalp <laughs> off uh but he had like lint stuck in his hair and it literally wouldn't come out and we finally got some uh like spray for a kid's hair and it kind of let us comb it one day and we got uh, like literally like three huge pieces of lint out of his hair <laughs> and literally we tried we washed it every day and we tried to get it out but it was just so tangled in there it was like a rat's nest <laughs> guarantee you didn't think that was going to yeah pop exactly up on the exactly like <laughs> when, i said you when you first became a you dad. never know what uh what's gonna happen did you know you were having boys before you had them yeah we found out yeah we found out yeah we found out uh both times and uh did I'm, you have a reveal party 
We did not do a review. I don't think it was right. Yeah, it's like, like yeah, it's like just coming. started yeah, in no, the last we, couple uh, of years. No, we did not do a reveal party. <laughs> uh, I sent a funny picture to my mom and uh, sister, especially with Maddox, the second one. Uh, Rachel's sister was uh, like 100% sure we were going to have a girl, and obviously I drew something on the diagram to prove it was going to be a... <laughs> It was going to be a boy, so uh, uh, around the on the picture that they give us there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, growing up in Michigan, what was life like in Trenton, Michigan, for you? Uh, it was awesome. It was a small town. Uh, we grew up in a town. It was uh, about twenty thousand people. Um, huge hockey town. Huge, uh, really um, tight knit community. Uh, everyone knew each other. Everyone, um, you know, played sports together, kind of type thing. And uh, like I said, I, I for basically about ten, eleven years, there was like four or five of us that all played same hockey team, and then the summer we were same baseball team. Um, you know, all the way through high school. So it was just uh, still some of my best friends. Uh, still very close to you know a lot of the guys that I grew up with and keep in touch with, and still get together every summer. Um, we still, we do a Ryder cup thing. Uh, so 16 of us get together and have a, have a nice tame, uh, you know, weekend with the boys. No, just very tame. Very, very Water tame. all the yeah, time. Yeah, no, Stay hydrated. Very well hydrated <laughs> and uh, a lot of water. How does team green do? Uh, it's good. It's kind of, uh, <laughs> well, it's team Trenton versus the, the, the world we basically call it. Really. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we call it the bridge cup actually. Cause, uh, where I live, uh, Trenton and then there's a, a little island next to us that's called Grozeal. Uh, just a lot of same guys that we basically grew up good with. French. Yeah. That we grew good. up, uh, we grew up with and played hockey against and baseball against. And a lot of those guys that all went to college together too at Western and different, uh, different uh, places in Michigan. So we do a bridge cup. So that's usually t- eight guys from Trenton, eight guys from uh, the surrounding area. But Team Trenton's on a roll right now. We're nice. steamrolling them. So nice. Do you get to choose the teams? Or uh, sta- are they standard because of usually? Where you were born? Well, usually because it's always the same eight of us. I got gotcha. uh, And then like the uh, there's usually usually twelve uh, about twelve of the sixteen is the same every year. And then usually the last four are kind of. Uh, They've been trying to bring in ringers, but uh, <laughs> no, no, no good. No, nothing's good to come out of them for them. I mean, here we go down the golf talk again. We're going to it's educate. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, we had on Sammy golf. on, and like everyone's talking about golf, and I'm just sitting here, like I don't know what everyone's talking about. <laughs> Miles Wood, uh, yeah, we understand he can drive the ball. Yeah, he. Um, and Sammy's the putter, isn't that what he said? He's good at putting. Yeah, Sammy, he's something. Well, he has that simulator, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's. Uh, <laughs> He's funny. You yeah, jealous of that? Like, would uh, you? I don't even know if I'd have time to use it. Tell you the truth, if I could, I have to do it at midnight and not be able to hit the balls because it'd probably be too loud with the kids. So, how old were you when you first started golfing? Uh, I don't know. Pro- I was pretty young. Um, probably ten, ten-ish. We used to do a uh, couple buddies that uh, we grew mm-hmm. up with. We used to do a little every Friday morning during the summers. They had like a uh, golf league um so like every thursday night we would spend the night at one one person's house uh, and then next morning the, that parent, parent would, would, drive. would drive us and then pick us up and so we would just rotate every week um so it was fun so we had a good group of us uh it was a little par three course and uh it was fun yeah i think that's where i really got hooked uh, i was doing it like that i don't know if it was just for the whatever the sleepovers the night before <laughs> or, uh or, or if it was the golf but we had a lot of fun doing that was there a point when baseball and hockey, uh, you were traveling the same path in terms of ability and, and success, but then 
you either had to make a choice or hockey started to take the lead in in how good you be yeah it wasn't until uh it wasn't until about uh junior year of high school um so i was on the hockey team and the baseball team for the first two years uh third year obviously continued to play hockey and then as soon as my hockey season was over i, I was asked to play for uh Kampuer, uh in the junior in the north american league at that time and I, at the time i was like all right yeah i'll do that and not realizing that, you know, obviously high school sports, basically one season that, you know, one season ends and then you go base into the next season. Right. So, uh, I had a talk with the baseball coach and it was kind of, uh, well, this is a, you know, it was kind of like, what can we do? Can we do something to work this out? Get, uh, cause I really, obviously hockey was my first choice and, um, you know, it just didn't work out with the timing. So that's when uh, it was an easy decision. Obviously stick, stuck with hockey and worked out. Okay. So do you ever still, play baseball do you ever uh no don't play i mean we'll, i'll toss like, it around yeah, yeah. a little bit uh but never no no like organized softball or anything like that uh now it's it's either golfer you know, right. that, so. what do you say to parents i mean you played baseball until you were a junior in high school or so, through sophomore year played hockey so you played two sports in high school you had golf going at some point uh, also mixed in there what do you say to parents now when they're so focused on my kid's really good, he's six, seven, <laughs> right? And it's going to be all hockey all the time. It's true of ba- basketball. It's true of soccer has kind of gotten that way. A lot of sports have. You had a different path. What were the benefits of playing multiple sports? And what would you, what do you tell parents? I just, I, I like the, I like the, the break, getting away from it. I think mentally, um, you know, you're seeing now 10-year-olds are playing 80-something games. Crazy. Like, um, you know, just burn out, you know, all those, you're going to get burned out or are you doing it for the kid? Or are you doing it for yourself? Um, and I just, I, I didn't have a choice. My dad was like, nope, it's baseball season. Literally put the equipment in the garage or in the basement, hung it up. And, uh, you know, maybe once, once or twice a summer, you get to do a hockey school or, you know, go do an open skating or, or whatever, open hockey, whatever, you know, whatever it may be. And I loved it, you know, and then I loved it. It was baseball time, you know, it was, is the new group or new uh, activity and like i said the works on a little bit different skill set than hockey and um i you always hear everyone always wants to sit there and have athletes uh, you know you talk to coaches at high levels in all sports they talk about how they want athletes but now all you're getting is a uh you know a robot like that doesn't <laughs> you know you know like it's just uh program yeah exactly that uh, and then all of a sudden you know you know year in of the next level whether it's college or something else and all of a sudden it's like i don't want to do this anymore i'm burned out right so or injuries start to creep in too mm-hmm. bad sure sure and if you're good we know you'll be found i mean you obviously had yeah. <laughs> enough ability that you were on someone's radar but at some point the decision had to be made they'll find you for if sure you, if yeah. you got it you'll you'll you got it that's yep. the basic do you remember that like obviously you weren't drafted like do you remember when you got that first call that like there was interest of some sort yeah it was a little bit uh during college um you, you know you're sitting there thinking you know you come in as a freshman you, you're not I, I wasn't thinking about anything i was just yeah. kind of wanted to wanted to play there and see and then all of a sudden you know after your freshman year you you, you see guys there may be juniors seniors or sophomores that are leaving to leaving college early signing and then all of a sudden you're like well not saying you're better than them but you're like all right well i'm comparable or i think uh you know, so I, I think it was maybe around sophomore year where I thought uh, I might be able to do do something with it. You never know 
uh, how far you can take it. But you, you, all of a sudden you start to, okay, getting a little confidence here, getting a little, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you hear from college, your my, my coaches at the time saying, you know, so-and-so's here tonight and they might be, you know, watching you or they, they weren't putting pressure on you or it was more, maybe it was after the game where it was like, yeah, so-and-so was here tonight. You know, I have a buddy with this organization yeah. or this, whatnot, they, you know, they, you're, you, you've caught their eye and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't even thinking about that really. So you get the call from Lou Lamorello. What's that like? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I knew him a little bit, obviously, uh, but at the time, not. Uh, uh, it's a pretty intimidating call when you're even, you know, even what I was 22 at the time, I think 23. Uh, you, you don't, uh, you don't realize the magnitude of that call, or, or really what's. I was probably too naive really at the time to really know what was really actually going on. To, so that kind of helped probably a little bit, but uh, once I met him in person, yeah, then it really, uh, you know, then it really hits you. What I'm sorry. No, what? yeah, go ahead. I think we're gonna ask the same thing. So I'll let you ask. <laughs> what was that conversation like? What did he say to you? Uh, you know, at, at the beginning, it was mostly through the agent. You know, uh, through my agent at the time, and then all of a sudden, uh, when we decided to, uh, you know, come with, the, mm-hmm. you know, sign with the Devils, it was all right. Well, Lou wants to talk to you. I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> like like I said, I was, and I, I at the time, you know, like. Google was there, but you know, you're kind of yeah, trying, yeah. You're trying to find some dirt, not dirt, but you're trying to find, you know, just a little bit of history, trying to make a connection with him or, or, or whatnot. So you're prepared and kind of do some research. So you know what, what he's all about. And no, he was, um, you know, he was as friendly as can be. And, uh, obviously he's very straightforward and, um, you know, just meeting him in person was very intimidating, you know, just, uh, not knowing really the whole magnitude of the whole situation at the time and knowing what was going to going to happen going forward or um but uh yeah no it was a, it was a great experience though um what other uh, teams were interested in you and, and then what finally made you think the devils is was the club that you should yeah. throw your hat with you know what i said the there was probably about five or six and at this i, I honestly don't even remember now really exactly the because you know it kind of whittles down you have teams at certain interest and uh you know then it kind of well, can you sign them to this deal, you know, kind of this. And then you start looking at uh, depth charts and kind of where, you know, where you think you could fit in and where they're at as an organization. And um, at the time, it was just kind of where the Devils were in the, you know, with, with defensemen on their depth chart. And obviously at the time, they are a really great organization. And that was a, a great opportunity. And who knew it would, uh, you know, turn into this. All these years later, <laughs> still here. Yeah, exactly. What's been the highlight so far? Of uh, the, my career? Or? Yeah, time with the Devils. Uh, or your highlight of the time spent with Amanda and me in this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah naturally. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, you got to go with, uh, you know, the 2012. Um, you know, just just to be part of that team and that run and uh, to get that close, but uh, yet so far away from it. And uh, you really see, you know, you always read about championship teams and teams that make it that far of, uh, how close they get, how we, you know, how close of a team, how good of a team they are, and how much you want to sacrifice with each other. And then when you actually go through it and live it, and then you notice it and then reflect on it, it's just kind of, um, you know, amazing. You're almost in a bubble for two months, and you don't even really know what's going on outside the the hockey rink. What's it like? Take us into the room. It's it was a good year record wise, not a great year, not first in the conference at all, uh, not first in the division, but what was it like? What, what made that team coalesce to the point where they could overcome some overtime games? Good friend, Travis Ajax scores against Florida. 
we know Adam Henrique scores twice in overtime. You know, Marty Brodeur's doing his thing. Like, what was that team all about? It was just a belief we had. Uh, you know, you, you talk about how close you were. We, um, you know, that first series against Florida was uh, was really tough. We, you know, I think that year we had probably I think the the best PK in the league, and all of a sudden we got the playoffs. We couldn't kill a we couldn't kill a penalty, and it, it almost cost us the series literally against them. And all of a sudden we, you know, we forced the game set or we get to the game seven there, and then you know Rico scores a huge goal, and then. All of a sudden, you're like, oh my! You know, after the game, you're like, oh my god, that's unbelievable! It's you know, like just all the range of emotions, and then, and then you sit there and think big picture wise, you're like, oh man, that's three really, more times. Yeah, we only got four wins out of sixteen <laughs> that you need. You know, like that you need. It's that or, intense. Yeah. yeah, you know that you think about. It, you're like, oh my lord! You know, and then all of a sudden, uh, and that was a quick turnaround too. If I don't, if I remember correctly, from the Florida series, the Philly, we basically went right into the Philly series. Um, and that year we we played Philly pretty well during the regular season, which means nothing once it comes to playoff. But we had that kind of to fall back on, and uh, I believe we lost game one. I know we lost game one. I can't remember if it was an over T or not. Uh, but I know we lost game one, and after that, we I think we were just so gassed and wiped from the Florida series that we, we luckily we I think we had two or three days off after game one, going into game two. So I kind of we got it to recharge, and then all of a sudden uh, we hit our stride against Philly. We, we you know we went four straight there and. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, you win another series and you're like, Oh man, that's awesome. You know, you're just like, and then you think about it, you're like, Oh, I'm only, we're only halfway, eight, yeah, there. We're <laughs> halfway there now. Um, and then, you know, you just get the, you get that belief system where, you know, there was just, uh, just whatever it was, was going right. And we were clicking and, uh, you know, we had guys stepping up and, um, you know, Sal had a huge playoffs that year, obviously Jeez. he, uh, you know, had the, I can't remember what 14, 15 points. I think maybe it was, in the it was incredible. Points. He became an offensive. Yeah, machine. he was all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Uh, he could have been on the power play probably at that point. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like that's what happens, right? Uh, each each game, each series, you have someone uh, stepping up, uh, um, and that's that's basically what was going on then. Where were you in Game Six? The the view of Rico against. The I was Rangers. on the ice. Yeah, I was at the. Uh, the left point uh and you kind of you know like saw everything break down you see rico just sitting there back you know on the back door there and all of a sudden you know from i was i saw the puck squirt out and it was just like oh my god please don't miss this you know you know like (laughs) it was just literally there was like five guys on the you know right side of the net and he's just sitting that uh off that post right by the zamboni door there and uh obviously he buries it and it was just like you know, it was like pandemonium, obviously, but it was just like, oh my God, we we're going to the finals. Uh, you know, we actually got a chance to to win the Stanley Cup there. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> Amanda loves asking about travel. I do to and from games and what takes place on the plane. It's one of our favorite questions and one of the last. Well, we questions. always end our podcast when we have players on the plane or on. The- on the podcast um maddie and i sit in the front of the plane and you guys are all the way in the back so i'm curious what does andy green do let's say on a longish plane ride so like not to montreal where it's like 55 minutes but what do you some guys have said they sleep they listen to podcasts what do you do uh i'm not a sleeper i can't sleep on planes so i'm usually a movie or tv show some guys play cards um, some guys, I'll read books every once in a while too. So it's either, uh, movies or books and, uh, that's, uh, don't get to watch too much TV at home. So that's <laughs> my, that's my time to get to catch up and, uh, finishing up the wire right now. Um, 
Obviously, it's an older series, yeah. but uh, it's great, really good. I'm actually I have one episode left, the season finale of uh, of season five, the last one ever. So I got that one planned for uh, probably tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, probably tomorrow <laughs> after the game, I'll probably throw that on there just to finish it up. So, but this is a big one here. This this next road trip. Uh, I gotta find something. You gotta good. start downloading. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> like start downloading. Uh, <laughs> I gotta start looking tonight uh, through, you know, Amazon Prime, Netflix, and uh, iTunes. Would get uh, get my fix on here. <laughs> do you sit alone? I know some guys. Uh, I usually luck. do sit alone. Yeah, yeah just you know, just. Well, I, I, no, I like <laughs> it just after the games. A lot of times after games, uh, I do the my Norma text. We got the recovery type stuff. And, oh right, yeah. Um, so it just takes up so much space, and Palms usually sits next to right next to me. Usually. Uh, throw stuff at him all the time when uh, you know keep him honest, keep him awake. What is it that you said? Part of the recovery? What's it called? It's they're called Norma the right? so they're just basically like um, you put like these full leg sleeves on. They attach to a little uh, machine there, and it basically pumps air through them and gets the lactic acid and uh, helps you recover and uh, keep these legs young. <laughs> something that they never thought about in the well they 50s, all have right? those like you yeah. all some of you guys like are on the plane with these like giant bags yeah it's like, <laughs> it's, it, honestly it can't like i was i think I joked around amanda one time i think i have the same suitcase that i went to you know we went to switzerland last year for whatever it was almost two weeks uh i got the same amount of stuff that i go for two weeks or for two days so it's just it's true uh, it's true it's i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but uh, like i said that norma tech thing is uh you know, I got that in a backpack and then I got my rollaway suitcase. And See, then, but you know. I appreciate the rollaway suitcase because sometimes like guys just have a backpack. I'm like, where's your stuff? Like, what are yeah, you doing? Uh, a lot of the young guys just have a backpack. Yeah, some guys, uh, it's gotten a little better or I don't know, better or worse now. But I, I mean, one time I remember we were going a couple road trips and some guys didn't even have a bag. They, just had, they had a toothbrush in their pocket. Not even toothpaste. They're like, no, we can get toothpaste at the hotel. So yeah. they like, literally brought a toothbrush. <laughs> Um, I'm like, what? what that's that's what weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. Exactly. Help help out the cause. Well, Andy, yeah. thank you very much for your time. I know it's been a difficult period. It's been a difficult season. You answered the difficult questions. We appreciate it. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. So Andy's a bit of a loner on the plane, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. That's okay. He's got those big things on his like they all a lot of them have those i've just never seen them. them in uh in action i yeah. see those uh those bags that they bring on but i just You're like oh, do you have a cooler there like what do you got in there i knew it wasn't that but i wanted to make sure our <laughs> listeners kind of got an idea of what was going on and the one thing we didn't talk to andy about but i think particularly in that last answer about uh, reading books or mm-hmm. what have you got you understand that uh, education was important in his yes. life and he recently graduated from the University of Miami at Ohio. He promised family that he would get the degree. It took him a long time. But here's the interesting thing as well. He recently went into their sports hall hall of fame. fame, The hall of fame criteria includes you graduation graduate a graduate. I did not know. (laughs) You must be a graduate. Um, I did not know that. Well, good for, I mean, he's, he's so thoughtful. He's a smart guy. Um, and, and always so, um, I'm always so appreciative of the time that I get to speak to him. And, you know, he's like, he's underlying, like, he's very funny. 
Yes, he is. Like, he's got a lot of zingers and one-lines that sometimes, you know, especially when the camera is, like, pulled away from him or there's no microphone in his face, he's got some really good one-liners. Andy Green, uh, the Devils captain, 14 years in the National Hockey League, has traveled uh, a different road in some ways, undrafted, but just kept playing, and suddenly he was on somebody's radar, and we're glad that he was on the Devils' radar and glad to have him join us this week. Amanda, thanks very much for your time as well. Thanks, Maddie. And thanks to all the listeners. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.